still recording face to face and looking into one another's eyes over my dining room table. It's me, Laurel Henning, Sydney-based journalist, joined by my friend Sasha Kelly, who's in Sydney for at least a couple of months and we're very excited. And this is Three Wheeling, a podcast about making friends in your 30s. And we'll be throwing in a little bit of everything we've been enjoying recently. Sasha, how are you? Oh, I'm so well and I really love how you're being sufficiently vague about how long I'm in Sydney because that's exactly how I'm describing my own life right now it's just a vague kind of stretch into the distance of who knows how long I'll be here I was mere words away from saying she's here for a good time not a long time (laughs) and now I've said it anyway well I'm glad you said it because um it might be true for now it might who knows who can say as a wise friend once told me to say to people asking me what my long-term plans are she's reviewing her options it's a good answer isn't it it's good well i'm gonna put you on the hot seat and say what have you been doing to make friends in the last two weeks well i have returned to book club which i know is something that i've waxed lyrical about before but i just I had my first uh, Bad Women Book Club and Better Reader Book Clubs of 2022 this week. And it was such a pleasure to be back with everyone again. And we read two books over the summer. And it was just great. But also, I think when I've spoken about book clubs before, I don't think I've really talked about, maybe I have and I've forgotten, about how I actually came to be in this book club. And I feel like I have a few friends who have asked me before, that they'd like to be in a book club, but they don't really know how to be in one. And I think a lot of people think book clubs are things that people do only within their friendship circles. And then they feel like, how do I crack my way into that tight-knit book club? What are those cool kids doing? What's the wedge that can bring me into this circle? Which book do I wedge in here? But the truth is that for both of these book clubs, all I did was walk into a bookshop and I said, do you run any book clubs? And they happened to run a lot of them that basically would have appealed to anyone's different interests but I just want to exhort anyone who is in need of wanting to try something a bit different and maybe wanting to try a book club to maybe get them out of their reading comfort zone or just to meet new people maybe they've moved to a new city is if you walk into your definitely your local independent bookshop will run a book club but to be honest if you're in the UK and you walked into a Waterstones they do do books of the month and book clubs I'm pretty confident so there is one Dimmocks I guess would be the equivalent here. yeah I think so or um there's readings in Melbourne which was one of my favorite bookstores not a chain I thought that was an independent um I think there were, well, there were a couple, a couple of years ago, but you know, the pandemic has dramatically changed things. And my favorite is the Brunswick Street bookstore, bookstore on Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, which is one of my favorite bookstores. I walked into that bookshop when I was in Melbourne for work for like weeks on end last year. And I, before we knew each other, and I said, oh, I'm here for long enough that potentially if you're doing a book club, I'd love to come along. And because of COVID, they sadly weren't doing them. But great example. Thank you, Brunswick Bookshop. But also I had a conversation with a friend this week. So I'm going to use her story for friend making because 
This I found so inspiring. I've had two friends in the last couple of weeks that have told me great stories about solo travel, which is something that I've done and really enjoyed, but I know a lot of people feel quite intimidated by. And this friend of mine, who is someone I actually do my park run with, and she went on via a company called Flashpacks. I don't know if you've heard of it. Apparently it's like solo traveling for 30s to 40s. And you can pick what kind of group you'll be in. They'll check in. If you're the only woman or the only man, they'll probably give you a call beforehand and say, do you still want to go with this group or not? You have the option. And then you get to choose whether you want to have your solo sleeping environment or you're happy to be in dorms with everyone else. Anyway, she went on this holiday to the Philippines, pre-COVID, obviously. And she was one of two Australians. And obviously in this environment, the Australians get lumped together or, you know, people's everyone's like oh you're probably gonna get on or whatever it might be anyway they did get on really really well the other Australian was from Melbourne I I believe and then they had all of these plans to see each other again and it just never came to fruition because of the pandemic but a couple of weeks ago she finally got to go on her trip to see her friend they hadn't seen each other since they were in the Philippines together they spent like five days together they went to the theatre together they just had a great time and I just thought that was such a great example of doing something you love for yourself and you just never know who you might come across on the way there so yeah I think I wholly endorse solo travel and I would just uh, yeah encourage other people to do the same I love that suggestion I have been solo traveling many times in the past and I think with the way borders are going at the moment I had dabbled you know just started a couple little google searches of ideas of where I might go again in the future but I hadn't made any commitments so I welcome this suggestion. Um, I want to give full props to you to say that I went ocean swimming this week. <gasps> Yay! After your recommendation last time, and it was amazing. And I'm so watch this space. I want to revisit. It's funny that you say that you've already recommended book clubs before because I'm gonna re-recommend dating apps because yes. I have just you know obviously just being in a new city and being here for a little while. I thought, oh, I'll 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 dip my toe back in the water and see and and just see what happens. And I went on a coffee date the other weekend and we just had a really interesting chat where the person that I met up with, he was like, you know, I've been living on my own during the pandemic. I moved suburbs. I haven't really got the same social group around me. He's from England as well. And he said, look, I'm just really you know, if something happens between us, that's really lovely. But actually, I just really love to have a few more friends to go to dinner and have drinks with. And so So if you're up for that, like just being able to come out for a drink with me, that's actually really what I'm looking for at the moment. And I think, you know, we've joked about it at the beginning, but with my kind of not really sure whether I'm here for a long, for for a long time or a good time, as Laurel said. (laughs) it just really fit and also it's just so refreshingly honest like I think I think we've talked about this before but I I really have noticed that the pandemic has in my eyes put a radical change in the way that people are talking to strangers and and I you know talking about their personal feelings and really front-loading quite a lot of um sadness and loneliness no but also joy but I just think that there's a lot of stuff that you know traditionally it would take you a couple of months to feel comfortable to kind of talk about that stuff with people and what I'm noticing is definitely meeting people for the first time that this kind of stuff is coming out on our first or second meeting 
which is a bit confronting, a little bit tiring. <laughs> but also I, I think the pandemic's to credit for that. Like the fact that, that we're all just kind of going, life's too short. Um, I <laughs> really like the fact that this person has basically said, this is exactly what I am looking for, X, Y, Z. If something else comes from it, great. And now you have that information. So you have the information one needs when one is going into a dating scenario, which is, does this person's needs, expectations match my own? If they don't, great, we had a lovely coffee and a walk, nice to meet you and we'll be friends maybe, or maybe we won't and that's fine. But at least I know where I stand, which I think is one of the hardest things about modern dating is that there's just so much oh how do I how do I how do I do this how do I say that and how the answer is you just say it and it doesn't (laughs) matter because at the end of the day like if they were going to break up because of you saying something in a certain way it was probably going to happen at some point anyway it doesn't matter it's much better to be true to yourself and your needs and where you're at and just say the thing and then you're both going to know where you stand more quickly. And who doesn't want that? So it, it has been a really nice way of, um, especially because I'm in Potts Point and I just say like, I don't know anywhere in the city. Like, please tell me where your favorite restaurant is. Tell me where your favorite coffee shop is. Show me where your favorite park is. What's your favorite thing to do? And all of a sudden the pressure to discover Sydney is off my plate yeah. because someone else is organizing it for me. So I've really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. So what are you watching? Tell me what you're watching. Oh, what am I watching? I'm going to have to turn the page of my notes to go to what I'm watching. I was not prepared for that bit. (laughs) I went to the cinema a couple of weeks ago with, actually with some book club friends, just always about the book club. Just always about the book club, me. And we watched the... Uh, film adaptation of Haruki Murakami's Drive My Car. Oh. Have you heard about this film? No. So it's a Japanese language film. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's not all in Japanese. That's part of its wonder. But it's based on a Murakami short story, which apparently was only like 37 pages long. And they have made, get ready, a three-hour film out of this short story. But it is, don't let that put you off, it's beautiful and... It's just so well done. And it's been nominated for a Best Feature Award at the Oscars. And it's a foreign language film. So I think times are changing and it's a good thing. Times are changing. The premise of the movie, it's about a widowed actor. He's Japanese. He's invited to a a theatre festival where he is going to be directing a production of Uncle Vanya. And he's given for the festival a 20-year-old driver to drive... It's, it's his car. Drive my car. It's his, it's his car, which I think he's quite confronted by because his car is like his this precious possession. Mm, okay. And this young woman shows up to drive it and he definitely doesn't trust her to begin with. And then their relationship really develops. And it's not, a, it's not about it being sexual or romantic or anything. It's just the intimacy of seeing someone every day and having that trust with them and that vulnerability and um, producing this, this production of Uncle Vanya. And then, but the the theatre production as well is being done in all different languages. There are There's Mandarin spoken, um, there's Japanese, obviously. There's one character who's who does it all in sign language as well. Um, I believe there's a Korean character. And I've never seen a production done in that manner before. And I just thought that was really interesting too. And yeah, it's a really, really beautiful film. So I would endorse Drive My Car. Oh, that's really exciting. That's one that I haven't... Um... 
heard of and I've got to say even though I don't always get to the movies I'm very keen on making sure to watch things as we've talked about before I do love watching watching tv and watching streaming services yeah I just suddenly realized I was like what have I been streaming that I would endorse and I suddenly tell you what my endless list was suddenly coming up short that's that's for sure but Sasha what have you been watching what have I been watching well as you have referenced book clubs as a common theme in your life I'm returning to the female psychopath are you preparing for the new season of Killing Eve? Is that what's happening? Yeah, well, oh, I'm so excited about so the Elizabeth excited. Holmes and the Killing Eve that are both coming out very soon. But no, I've been, I watched the entirety of Inventing Anna on the weekend. I've heard a lot about it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, which is the new Netflix series by Shonda Rhimes, or produced by Shonda Rhimes and um, from her production studio about um, Anna Sorokin or Anna Delvey, uh, pending what is her real name, this is the whole point, uh, who is essentially, she was Russian, but she posed as a German heiress in New York society and stole a ridiculous amount of money over the years. She was there for quite a few years. At one point, she stole a private jet um, and took it for a joy flight. I just like, I don't understand how, how do these things happen? It was fascinating to watch. Obviously it's a, um, I, and I'm, you know, if you haven't seen it, there's spoilers in this, but it's a true story. So I'm assuming that most people are kind of familiar on some base level with it, but she in, in this adaptation just bears that really clever combination of being a compulsive liar but as opposed to some compulsive liars who kind of lose track of the lies they tell she was very calculated in how she did it and I mean I for one came away from it being like she's definitely a con woman she definitely did the wrong thing and stole a lot of money but there's a certain element of her um, kind of charade that you do think what she actually was trying to steal the money for in the end, if she'd actually created it, might have been a viable business. It's just her kind of way of getting there. So she was essentially at the end, what she got done for was falsifying financial records to get a loan from the bank to create a private club in the style of Soho House. Um, But in the process of it, and this is the part that really fascinated people and kind of drew the attention of the journalist who wrote the story is that the team she assembled who actually signed off on it so that she could get the financing was the dream team of New York society so she got the best architect the best art curator the best restaurant uh the best like interior designer all of them um through her channels of um connections were very excited about this club and so a part of you does wonder probably the bad part of me but a part of me does wonder if she'd actually got the 40 million would we have the most amazing architectural club of all time in New York City or would she have stolen the money and run away but I also think you can't deny that she was completely callous with any kind of human friendships and she was very calculating and being associated with the right people and some of the people who were in her circle both got used horrendously but also were really awful people look it's had mixed reviews it's not what I would call a finely crafted piece of television 
but it is enjoyable and as we've talked about I just love a female protagonist anti-hero so I just think there's a lot in this whole section of the world and I'm very interested but I'm going on to my listener um, recommendations because I have two podcasts and this I am putting on my work hat a little bit here but I've become obsessed with the New York or I've become obsessed with the journalist Kara Swisher uh, who writes about business and tech for the New York Times uh, and she hosts a podcast called Pivot with Scott Galloway uh, which is just about um things that are happening in the business, the kind of the cornerstone of the business and investing world with a bit of technology and also a fantastic podcast called Sway where she just interviews uh, really interesting business leaders and CEOs and thought leaders and and she's um, also occasional politicians as well. It's very American. It's not necessarily in keeping with the rest of the themes of the things that I've recommended um but I always feel really intelligent after listening to it and it gets me across the issues I think in quite an American sensibility the other thing I really do admire about her which I always love listening to podcasts because I think you get a sense of this mm-hmm. is that her and Scott often really disagree oh yes disagreeing well we need more of it yes and and she's not necessarily someone I would say is like someone who has an elegant presence behind the mic she has a real presence though but she is so comfortable disagreeing Mm -hmm. and and making it entertaining and and acknowledging their friendship and acknowledging you know they argue the issues they don't argue the person Mm -hmm. and I really love listening to that on mic I think it's so refreshing and doesn't happen nearly enough and they actually do often have very differing opinions um not so much in a republican versus democratic way but just like different perspectives he's coming from a real numbers point of view she's coming more from a journalistic point of view anyway i find it just a well worth a listen if you if there's anything in the news that you're like oh i wish i knew a bit more about that um i'm gonna be cheeky and ask you why you feel like it's very american oh um because they were talking, well, I'm going to use a specific here. They were talking about the Joe Rogan issue with Spotify. And I think that the issue of free speech is something that has quite a different identity in America yes, than it I does elsewhere. It's a different cultural conversation. But also, um, and without getting too much in the weeds here, the reason that they both feel so strongly about it is because the American inoculation rate is only around 65%. And... I think there's just like quite a few larger cultural contexts to take in place with Spotify and Joe Rogan where you think, you know, it's very well to argue the free speech point of view in Australia where 90% of the population has taken the vaccine. But if you live in a country, which, you know, I was in London at the beginning of the pandemic and if you've, and Scott Galloway talked about this, he was like, you know, I've seen people die, like my friends have died. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of coming down one side or the other about this particular issue I can really understand but they're also very um they talk about congressional races and so it's like the cultural backdrop to it the the political backdrop rather than necessarily the the style of it or something although I do feel like I have to say in my company uh my company as if I own it (laughs) I wish uh the company for which I work but when I listen to my American colleagues doing podcasts um segments for our weekly podcast 
they are just next level. There is something about an American public speaking style that is so... I'm speaking in huge generalization ter- general terms here, but it's so much more relaxed, but also polished. Do you know, I'm going so off tangent here, but this is some, this also something I've watched. The best place to see the juxtaposition of this is to watch Dragon's Den and then watch Shark Tank oh, wow. and just see the expectation that's put on American um, presentation. presentation styles versus Dragon's Den. Okay, so what have you been, what are we up to, listening to? What have you been listening to? I have not been on flying podcast form in the last two weeks. In fact, my backlog of podcasts to listen to on my phone at the moment is, it's very long. It's very long. Um, Apart from obviously listening to the latest uh, episode of Three Wheeling, which uh, (laughs) (laughs) obviously I did the day it came out. Um, So I've been listening to music a lot more, generally. But then I did something, I do this, I think I do do this every year. I really like to, when the Brit Awards, which is like the UK's, let's say the UK's equivalent of the Grammys, it's probably not as prestigious. Well, yeah. Sorry, it's a, it's to put words in your event. mouth. It's a big event though. It is, it is. But it is, yeah. It's not American, so it's different. But the Brit Awards were last week and I really like... When awards shows happen, I really like to look up who the winners are. And one of the winners, I was like, I've never heard of this person. Little Sims, best new artist. So who's this person? Looked up her, ex- her acceptance speech. She brought her mum up on stage. I was in tears. I was having a great time. I was like, right, I need to know more about this person's music. There are probably people listening to this being like, how do you not know who Little Sims is? Because I've spoken to a couple of people since then. And... Well, you sent, sent it to it, me, but I didn't know who she was. Which I appreciated at the time. Then I said it to someone else in Australia and they were like, yeah, she gets played on Triple J quite a lot. Oh, is it because we're not cool? I think it's because we're not listening to Triple J oh, or BBC Radio 1. Okay. So we're outing ourselves here. Because I'm only listening to my Spotify Discover Weekly, which is like, you really like Neil Young, so here's some more Joni Mitchell. As a result, I don't know who's winning Best New Artist at the Brits, but first of all, there's a bit of an irony that Little Sims was winning Best New Artist. This is her fourth album. So she's won Best New Artist for fourth, her fourth album, which, by the way, is called Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. We'll come back to that. How, hang on. Just a little point of departure. Uh, please do. What's the, clarif- what's the criteria for being best new artist well i think this is why there was an article in the media afterwards saying something like this is a great win but also the the industry slash the awards industry has to catch up because she's been making music for a long time but she's independent so she's done all of this amazing work also i love that the fact that her other albums have there's like an alice in wonderland theme running throughout so there's a track on this album called the rapper who came to tea and then there's another album called um, A Curious Tale of Trials and Persons, Stillness in Wonderland. And I just think this is this is great. But she's she's just an incredible artist, Sasha. She has blown my mind. Like, I haven't listened to an album like this in such a long time. And she's an artist and she's a poet and... I know I'm so behind a trend that so many other people are already on, but I cannot express how excited I am to have come across music that has blown my mind in this way. I listened to her album. I'm not joking. I must have listened to her album on repeat three or four times between like Thursday and Friday of last week. 
But just to give some highlights from sometimes I might be introvert, lots of people will already be very familiar with this album, but my favourite songs are Woman, Q in both parts one and two, Speed, which is a new favourite on the running playlist, which we'll talk about in a second as well, and The Rapper Who Came to Tea, which I just referenced. Also, Emma Corrin of The Crown has, like, speaking roles in this album, and it's great. Amazing. She plays, like, this sort of mystical, magical narrator. It's it's so good! (laughs) I wish you could see Laurel's face right now, because she's very enthusiastic. I, yeah, and I, I know it, I'm so out of touch and I and like I appreciate that and it's probably really annoying listening to someone be like, oh my God, this is amazing when it's been out for ages, but I have no, nothing but sincere no, I'm admiration you off for her. Because you're not allowed to apologize for finding joy in art. You know the number of times that I used to think, I wish I could go back and read Harry Potter again for the first time. Yeah. Imagine my joy at discovering it for the first time. And I think so often we apologize for being enthusiastic and we shouldn't. Aww. You should feel very excited Thank about you. this. <laughs> well, I was waxing lyrical about her to at least one other friend late last week. And I said to this friend, I'm also very aware that this music is not written primarily for me. There is a strong, proud, black female narrative here that is incredible. And I'm very aware that I'm a white woman listening to this music and really enjoying it. And and I there is a kind of discomfort in in that as well in terms of should I be enjoying this quite so quite so much and I'm kind of questioning that and my friend said to me if someone feels seen by this and someone else feels taught by it it's done what it needed to do and I thought that was phenomenal and it's exactly how I feel about this music so thank you to that friend oh that's so nice yeah Yeah, there you go. you go I also just wanted to touch more on running playlists because Mm. I think we should unveil the fact that we really want to provide some uh, cheeky playlists for our listeners. And I think the first thing we should do is compile maybe a playlist of 10 tracks, top five of my running playlist, top five of your running playlist. That's going to be so hard to get it down to just five. But let's let's share our running playlists with one another and... Boy, are you in for a treat? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> How am I going to pick just five? Um, no, I think that's really good. And I'm glad you've said this on mic because we've talked about this off mic and this will commit us to doing it. Don't know when we'll deliver that for you, but we're going to do okay. it. Sasha, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? Okay, so I have a query. I, I have a, an argument to put forward to the judge. Oh. Is an audiobook a reading it counts okay yes Yes, it counts i've been reading in quotations audiobooking obama's autobiography wow that is long it's 30 (laughs) hours so it's become a joke at work that i arrive every day and i go how's everyone doing what's going on today and everyone goes you've been listening to obama on the bus again haven't you because he's just so uplifting uh look i'm finding it well worth the read uh, we're starting, I'm now in the section, look, I have 17 hours left. So I've done 13 hours, which I feel is, I mean, I'm not even halfway. I've just realized that. The marathon um, continues. But I've been running to it because, wow. because also sometimes you're like, I'm going for an hour run. It's not going on the playlist. My playlist <laughs> will run out. Why don't I just put on the audiobook? Obama never stops. Obama tells me everything. I also feel very empowered 
because you know he's talking about getting through his um stimulus package past the gang of four it's very exciting anyway i just i i read hillary clinton's autobiography a couple of years ago and i do think that i find political biographies you know i'm a bit on the fence because they are kind of coming from one perspective and i do think that if you're regardless of your political persuasions it's really hard to ask the author to leave them at the door let alone you know if it's an autobiography obviously it's being written with this idea of vision and an idea of the legacy of the presidency um and if it's written by a biographer you'd hope they're going to be honest about it but I do think that I just think it's a really interesting um dance to work around like being politically aligned versus critical critical versus giving people a kind of sympathetic versus honest look of what this person's like but I am really enjoying it I think I know that it's more about the politics but I do find him just such a fascinating their their family so fascinating just from the mechanics of how it worked Um, and so I just really treasure those little moments I listened to Michelle Obama's autobiography last year and I am finding the direct parallel really interesting as well so look I don't think I'm going to be more eloquent about Obama than (laughs) hundreds of thousands of other people who have more authority to talk on the subject than I do but I just think it's really well worth the read I also have a second recommendation. I'm going to link this in the show notes. It's an article by Vox Media and I think it's called Why You Probably Won't Finish Reading This Story. And it's an interview with Johan Hari on his new book called Stolen Focus about the way that tech has kind of hijacked and... um, cannibalized I guess like our own brains and I found the article super interesting and had quite a few really elegant points everything's connected at the moment elegant points about the political landscape and how as a society we're just becoming having less attention for um affects us both on an individual basis as well from a society point of view so I put the book um stolen focus on reserve but haven't read it yet but this article was a nice primer I remember being told by someone once that the average person scrolls up in an article four times and if you haven't so basically you're you're probably going to lose them after four finger flicks. Wow. And if your article is longer than that then you have to know that that probably the bottom of your article may never be read by very many people as a result because yeah. Can I tell you that the title alone I wouldn't have finished it but the title challenging me to fit like why you probably won't finish the editors knew what they were doing I was like like, I'm gonna finish this article if it kills me and several times while I was reading it I was like oh like I felt my brain Mm. try to drift off and I was like no I find myself doing people win I find myself doing that a lot particularly if I'm reading an article on my phone my eyes just start skipping down the page and I and I find my before I've even realized sometimes my thumb has started scrolling down through the article and it's uh yeah it's quite weird I want to know if you've managed to read two books in the last two weeks because I was astonished but very um, I have yeah 
I'm now thinking about it. I have. I finished one book I was reading. I finished on the bus train back from your place Mm -hmm. last week. So Mm -hmm. then I started Stanley Tucci's Taste. (gasps) Lovely. Yes. We love Stanley Tucci. We are a Stanley Tucci Stan podcast account. We stan Stanley. And I... And I did that because I needed a real palate cleanser after mm. a really wonderful fiction book. So I read that. And then I have nearly finished another physical book, but I finished one audiobook in between. So yeah, I feel like I have done two in the no. interim. But I will definitely finish the yeah. I will finish the other physical book between well, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, I think. That's the goal, I guess. But yeah. So what are you recommending of your reading? We all know I love Sarah Winman and Still Life. And I went and read one of her older books, Tin Man, which has some really lovely parallels to Still Life in terms of there's um, the importance of art in this book, the importance of travel, and the fact that a character's exploration of a foreign place, I think, is often its own extra character Mm -hmm. in her novels, or at least in Still Life and Tin Man. I think her two other novels have a magical realism link to them. But I loved this book. It's about the friendship of two male characters, Ellis and Michael. The first half of the book is told from Ellis's perspective, and it's very um, sort of fragmented, and it's hard to connect with because he himself is not fully connected with his um, interior life and what's going on and what he's experienced. And then you get Michael's narrative and Michael comes along and he just like fills in all the gaps that you didn't realise were in or you did feel were in Ellis's story. And they have had a very close friendship as children and then as adolescents. This story is about male friendship. It's about how men become the versions of themselves perhaps that society tells them to become um the shame of being gay at that period in history so we're talking sort of like 70s and 80s i guess predominantly um so the aids epidemic is like a shadow in the background but it's not just about aids it's not like it's a purposefully distressing narrative about aids although it's a really important and sad part of this story Um, And it's just Sarah Winman has an ability to narrate a love story in a way that is so earnest and sincere and makes me feel so deeply without being um, overly sentimental. And I don't know how she does it. And this book is only 200 pages long and it's so full. It's so full. And these characters have stayed with me and I've been thinking about it for two weeks since I finished it. And I just think it's it's beautiful. So if nothing else, it will make you want to visit the south of France. So yeah, Tin, oh, tin well, Man. Don't need any other excuse aside from that. Well, we have gas bagged. We have for a really long time. But it's been such a pleasure. As always. It's so nice. I've, I'm just saying this from the heart. It's so nice to get so many messages after we release an episode. Um, people saying that they're borrowing the books from the library or they're just enjoying a nattering or they're thinking about things or they're also getting out dating for the first time in a long time. Uh, So a huge thank you from both of us because I know that it means the world to us. We do want to say that if you do enjoy us chatting, if you do enjoy our podcast, please send it to a friend, a girlfriend who lives far away, a friend who's trying to make 
new friends for the first time in a strange city, um, someone who's going through a new phase of their life, whatever it might be, uh, we want to welcome more and more lovely listeners to our little club of three-wheeling. And where can people reach out if they want to send us direct messages, Laurel? They can slide into our DMs on Instagram. We are at threewheelingpod and they can email us. We are threewheelingpod at gmail.com which is the most confident I have ever said that email address. I know, I'm so impressed. You just rattled it off. Well, until two weeks, um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing the books that you managed to read in the interim. (laughs) Bye. Bye.